Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Today is a really special day for me because today I am celebrating the milestone of reaching 100 episodes on Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. And this has been just such an amazing journey for me. When I embarked on creating this podcast, I had a few sources of inspiration to really ignite my imagination and make me believe that this is something that I could do. I knew in my heart that I wanted to create a resource for women that was going to help them through the complex challenges that they were facing when transitioning out of um, abusive relationships and then on the other side to being able to pick up the pieces of their life and find themselves again on the other side of that relationship and come back to a place of wholeness. So I never, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine what a catalyst for my own healing this podcast would be. But the primary motivation for creating this podcast was to create a safe space for women to tune into when it's safe for them to do so, because so many times women are isolated when they're going through domestic abuse. So um, it was really important for me to create something that women could find and they could tap into when it was safe for them to do so. So there's lots of episodes on this podcast where I canvass different topics, um, looking out for red flags, but also, you know, ways to transition out safely and also what to do once you're on the other side again. How do you start healing yourself again? How do you recover? How do you renew yourself? And how do you rebuild on the other side? Today, I really feel so blessed because I'm having a conversation with somebody who's very special to me and has played a very very important role in my life, in my journey, from a time where I was actually at absolute rock bottom and needed to turn to support services to help me to start my recovery journey, to help me to start picking up the pieces of my life again and to help me to understand that it was going to be possible for me to rebuild a life on the other side because at that time I couldn't see that. I was so traumatised and I didn't see a future for myself. I was still very, very afraid that what was going on that the stalking and everything that that would continue and I would not be able to find any peace in my life thankfully that's not the case I have found peace in my life and now I'm in a position to be able to give something back so this conversation that I'm having today is a very, very special and very important one because the person that I'm speaking to has so much wisdom, so much experience when it comes to helping women. And she certainly helped me in such a 
such an important way because she was the first person to really make me feel whole again when I felt very broken, when my esteem, my self-esteem was really just rock bottom. She helped me to find some confidence in me again. And that was such an important gift because that really helped me to start to recover to start to think yes I can find myself again on the other side of this and I can rebuild so just let's open the door on this week's episode it's a special one just a caution if you feel unsafe at any time please stop listening you can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello, Cindy, and a very warm welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. I am super, super excited to have you on as a guest today to help me celebrate 100 episodes. What an amazing milestone to Woo-hoo, It's awesome. And you're one of my favourite people in the whole Aww. wide world. So it seemed really, really, you know, appropriate for me to invite you on to have a chat on the podcast today. So welcome, Cindy. Oh, thank you so much, Sandy. It's a real privilege and a real honour to be part of this conversation today and uh, really serendipitous how we kind of bumped into one another a couple of months ago and I got to discover about your wonderful podcast and and that it led to this conversation today. So thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Well, we have got so much to talk about and it's it could almost be too hard to type and pick mm. a topic. Um, you're somebody who comes from a background of having vast experience in supporting uh, women who have the complex needs of being involved in domestic abuse or family violence. And you really have such a heart to support families across the the whole spectrum of whatever, um, you know, adversities they're coming up against in life. So one of the things I really wanted to canvas with you, I guess, is to try and debunk a few of the the myths because so much with support services is either shrouded in secrecy or there's misconceptions that you only reach out to support services when it's life or death. Mm-hmm. So I thought you would be a great person to have a conversation with about what role support services play and how they're there um, for very practical support for all sorts of things that are going on. Yeah, so true, so true. Now, I'll just um, give you a little bit of information about my background. Um, So probably for about the last 18 years, I've worked in social and community services, part of that crisis housing and homelessness, part of that working with families who are at risk, all types of risk, and part of that in the family violence field as a support worker and as a therapeutic group worker. So um, in the last few years, I've actually moved into pastoral care in a different, quite a different um, sector. But um, I guess I have some experience to draw on. Um, in terms of how difficult it is for women um, uh, and children to access services. 
the barriers that they face, not just the barriers to access services physically, but internally and in their thought processes. How can I even start to do this? How can I, is, is there any help for me? And um, I, I really feel it's really, really important that out of, that I canvass how much difficulty I did witness for women to access services, the vast wait lists, the, um, the hesitancy for women to pick up the phone and just call. And I must say that there are definitely people that you can pick up the phone to and just call. There's um, 1-800-RESPECT, for example. There's your local Orange Door facility. There's Lifeline. There's, there's support groups that are out there. There's counselling services, even generic, which means just general counsellors have usually very well trained in empathy, listening, understanding. Now, not just that, they're more the formal supports. Now you've got the informal supports that we're fortunate have popped up, including Sandy's podcast, of course. But I just did a quick Google search on family violence support podcasts, and there were quite a few there. Of course, I would recommend this beautiful one, but there are quite a few there that you could tap into and just listen. So um, look, I don't want to at all negate the difficulties and the risks. And um, with all the women that I supported to leave family violence situations, all the women that I just listened to about their dilemma of wanting to stay, um, I understand that there are some huge risks and the point of leaving is a huge risk. We can't un underestimate that. So what I learned and what I always shared with co-colleagues is we must never, ever tell, coerce or try to put pressure on a woman to do anything that she is not ready to do. And a woman's internal sensor, their spirit, their gut instinct must be honoured and respected. And if you are feeling in your gut or in your sensor, in your spirit, something's not right. Hey, I, I sense fear. I sense disrespect. I sense that this is not where I want to go in my life. I sense that there's a real risk here for me and my children. Maybe that's just something that you might want to have a conversation with somebody about. It's a very, very brave thing to do very brave, very difficult. Look, a big motivator for me in working in the social and community services, particularly with women and children, is love. I really have a love for people. It's a big driver for me. I really want to see people flourish. I really want to see people set free to live the life that they've been created to live. Um, and maybe I'll just stop there, Sandy, because I'm sure you might want to go a different direction well you've ended just on the perfect note because you were really the first person who I encountered at that really terrible time in my life who made me feel like a whole person again and that was such an incredible gift to me because 
I wasn't feeling whole. I was feeling broken, very broken. And Mm. I felt as though my life was in a thousand pieces. Mm. And that's a very daunting place to be because you can't even begin to imagine how you are going to start over again, how you're going to be able to piece your life back together again. But having somebody in the role that you played at that time, making me feel whole in spite of all of the brokenness and the mess that my life was in at that time was a massive gift because that gave me that, I think, just that perspective, that that hope that my life could be good again because at that point I didn't see a bright future for myself. I didn't see any future for myself. Mm. And you've really helped me to, I guess, just have that glimpse that it might be possible to have a good future, which is amazing. So um, really important. And that's, I think that one of, you know, my, my main messages, you and I are very similar because we've both, we've both got a heart for people to heal. We've both got a heart for people to, um, to live into their full potential, And it's just so important for women who are broken to have some people around them who are breathing that bit of life back into them again to say it's going to be okay. And it's similar to, you know, being a mum when you you say to your child they've fallen over they've hurt themselves and they're in tears and you hold them in your arms and you rock them and you say it's going to be okay it's okay it's okay and it's yeah it really just makes such a difference just to have somebody there to say it's going to be okay um to know that there's somebody who is supporting you knows yes what you're going through is absolutely complex absolutely challenging and to say yep it's all right we're here for you we're going to support you through this if you need something you can come to us and talk to us about it and we're going to help you to move forward no matter no matter how daunting might be and for me it was very daunting when I was in your service because the risks were very high for me and there was no assurance that the stalking would stop and um, moving forward from that place is it's very tricky position because you don't have any assurances that that's you've separated from that person it's clean cut that's it see you later and you can start moving forward with your life without the worry of anything more happening that wasn't the way things happened for me and it's not the way that things happen for many women particularly if they're mums 
and if they've got children and there's you know there's shared parenting to be figured out and all of those complex things that, that go with being parents so um i'm glad that you talked about people reaching out to support services and that support services are there to really help women and meet them where they are so not to pressure them because I, I think that, that that I remember that being something a consideration for me in yeah. reaching out is not knowing one am I going to be judged that's right um am I going to make things more complicated than what they already are by inviting somebody else in to when you've got somebody who's exerting control over your life and has taken away your choices to then engage a support service that you're basically entrusting and putting them again in a position of power in your life is another massive consideration. And although you may not be consciously sort of going figuring that out as you're, you know, thinking about reaching out to somebody, that I think that does play a part in, you know, you're already feeling vulnerable and, your next best step is to reach out to somebody and again give somebody else some of that control over your life and I love that you really um you stated that you you it's really important to give women the control and the choice and not to um not to coerce them not to influence them this way or that but to to meet them where they are and at their state of readiness whether they're ready to it's a tricky one Cindy because I don't think that um often I don't think that women will ever feel ready to leave that relationship because there is that there's that push-pull going on the whole time Mm. and they're, they're in that relationship for lots of reasons. One of them is they, you know, love that person. There's, you know, love there. And they're living in hope that that person's going to change and that those promises that that person's going to make is making to them when they go around that cycle and they suddenly get to that point where, you know, they've had the blow up and then there, there comes the apologies and the promises and, you hang on to that and hold on to it and hope that this time those promises are actually going to mean something and that you'll be able to move forward, your relationship will be able to heal, you'll be able to have a good relationship and then you go around that cycle again. So you must have seen so much of this with women and it takes like a certain amount of skills to be able to hold back I imagine from saying to a woman like clearly you can see that it's not good for her to stay in that relationship can you just talk about that for a little bit sure well for a start um it it absolutely breaks my heart when I hear hear the the repeated cycle that women experience it breaks my heart every time and um, but because I know and because I have seen hopeful stories, because I have seen women come out of it, because I have seen 
almost like the lights go on where a woman suddenly realizes or makes a decision, hey, I'm going to make this step now. This is the step that's right for me at this point in my life. And then how that step just leads to the next and the next, the path to freedom. Because I have witnessed that as well so many times. It's almost like I'm in this place of tension as well as a support person for a woman who is before me. I see the tension there under. I love this person. We've, I've invested so much. We have built a life together. We may or may not have children together. We, I, I have got um, security in home and, and financial security. And golly gosh, the costs to do anything different are going to be immense. And that world, that future world feels scary because I see that tension in a woman and I see the hope that she's hoping things may change and maybe there will be a solution and maybe their partner will turn around, get the support that he or she needs and, and um, come through and stop using that power and control and threats, etc. I see that, but I also have this picture that I can't get out of my mind of the hopeful stories. So I have got to be so careful and in all types of um, counselling work or support, therapeutic support work, you must be so careful to partner with the person that's before you, to partner with them and walk respectfully in that journey where they are right now. And yes, of course, to drop options, to drop seeds of hope, to provide educational material, to have conversations about that, just maybe peak or spark a little bit of a future story how it could look but you've got to be so careful I always and I'm sure you do too Sandy you put yourself in that position you think how would I like someone to be telling me what to do right now I would not like that and you would not like that and I'm sure listeners would say no in every aspect of my life as an adult human being I want to make my own decisions um, when, how, and there may or may not be positive or negative consequences, but I need to make them and own them for myself. And so I just want to assure women out there that if they reach out in the professional works, in the professional services, if they reach out, people, um, family service workers, counsellors are very well trained to meet with you at your point of need, very well trained to do that. And and I'll tell you what, if you come across someone that doesn't, find someone else. If you come across that person and something doesn't quite gel with personality or approach, find someone else, like you would if you had a medical complaint. And you've, you've been advised to seek, seek the um, information of two or three GPs before you make up your mind about your next course of action. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, something that I agree with wholeheartedly because we're not going to always gel with everybody. So it is about building a rapport. And especially when you're talking about things on such a personal level that's going on in your life, it's really important that you have a connection and you feel like you can just relax and be yourself and be open and feel safe that they're all the things that you need to be able to tick 
when you are going to be supported by somebody who is either, you know, a counsellor or a therapist or somebody who's playing a support role for you. Um, And so even in a service where there's a domestic violence service, I think, you know, like you have support, like social workers appointed to you, there will be um, provisions within that organisation that if you feel like you don't have a rapport with that person, that you will be able to explore getting somebody else to support you with what you're going through. And he's nodding her head in agreement with me on that um, because they understand how important it is for you to have a free flow of communication with whoever is supporting you Mm. because the most important thing is that you're able to be really open and honest about what your most critical needs are. Um, And and until you're able to express what those things are, because something that happens to many women is that their voice will be shut down in that abusive relationship. And so they'll lose themselves, they'll lose their voice. And so that's another barrier that is there when Um, trying to talk to support services is you've got to find your voice again. So it's really important that you feel comfortable with the the people who are supporting you. The same thing goes for the police. And you might even be able to speak about that a little bit, Cindy, because I think you'll have more experience than my individual experience with the police where I found that some um, police officers I've had a fantastic rapport with and others I haven't. But I haven't understood that I've actually got a right to ask for somebody else if I feel like the person that I have landed with um, is not understanding me and my needs. So, yeah, would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, here, here. So, um, in other words, um, women have rights. (laughs) So you have rights, even though you might not feel like you have rights. You actually do. In fact, the law enshrines your rights. So you um, have a right to safety. You have a right to request services that meet your needs, and particularly um, if you're feeling very unsafe. And you have a right to be respected in the service system. So if, or, you know, or to to receive a, a good service. So if you are contacting the police, I mean, that's... I would encourage you to contact Triple O if there's a if there's a dire emergency, but also if you're feeling under threat to as a as a source of protection to be able to prevent or protect yourself. I think it's really important you've got pen and paper, or if you're really good on your iPad, scribble down the date, the time, who you're speaking to, their position, and and you can sense for yourself if you've received a service that feels good enough for you, and. Um, you could request that same person again or somebody who is aware of your case and what you've just shared. Because remember, the police, well, you may not know, but police work in teams as well. So there may well be someone who's just done night shift, five shifts of night shift, and you've caught them on the fifth night. They may now have one week off. You call the next day or two days later, you're requesting that person, they may be sleeping and recovering from their five nights of night shift. So it's good for you to understand that that's what's really happening in the police realm. 
but you still have rights. You can say, I spoke to such and such a person, I was very impressed with what they said to me, or I wasn't sure with what they said to me, or I'd like to speak to somebody who knows about this. Can you check that those re- you've got those records in your database? Sometimes there's a lag between when you contact, speak to somebody and them having the time, the ability to pop that down on their police database. Yes, of course they should. Most of the time they do, but there could be a little lag. So these are things that you, it's really important to be a good advocate for yourself. Sandy, you were the world's best advocate for yourself. And I think that really is something that needs to be said. If you're not feeling in a position to be a great advocate for yourself, this is where you lean into um, other supports and informal supports and ask them for tips and strategies and ideas, maybe to even accompany you. Maybe you've got a best friend or a neighbour or someone that will go along with you. And when you feel you don't have the words or the capability, they can step up and you trust them to step up and say something on your, just like you take someone along to a medical appointment so that you don't miss anything or so that they can share things that you've missed. Um, That was probably a a couple of little suggestions anyway. Fantastic, really <laughs> fantastic tips. And another one that popped into my mind as you were talking when you are talking about, you know, uh, jotting things down is that it's really important to diarise things when, especially when you have, uh, say, an intervention order in place or a restraining order in place and there are breaches to that order, really important to diarise because that is admissible with um, it, whether it's to court or you, you can take that to the police and it helps to establish your need for support from the police with your situation. So really important, even if you think it's a minor breach, you know, where it, it's... It, this is what is in perhaps in your mind as being minor because it hasn't got to being a physical altercation, but it might be, you know, harassing phone calls or um, text messages. And the more records that you can keep, it's really going to help support you in the long run with establishing that there's been ongoing behaviours that, uh-huh. you know, ongoing um domestic violence that you're being contending with and that's really going to help you when it comes to the authorities and to the courts and to getting the right level of support to give them some context so I think one more thing that I just would like to talk about is the reliving the trauma when revisiting trauma every time you speak to a new person in sharing your story and giving them context to your story and perhaps how you can take care of yourself the best with that because that is very triggering for many women to be in that position where every time they're having to relive their traumas. Oh, once again, that is um, a real bugbear of mine in the service system, women having to repeat their stories. 
There is a good deal of literature about the harm this causes and the trauma triggers, the trauma responses. And there is a good deal written about being trauma aware and trauma informed. This is for um, people who work in the industry. And I would say the majority of social workers, counsellors, therapists are trauma informed and trauma aware, particularly who work in these types of services. However, the reality is to get the service and to get the support that you need, there is a little bit of having to share what's happening for you so that they can meet you at your need. Remember I said before um, that you need to work with a woman where she's at right now. So in order to know where someone is right now, what's happening for them, the, the risks that are occurring, the effects on them and their children, what they've tried, what's worked, what hasn't, the, the presentation of the of the, the man who uses violence, the perpetrator, what, what he does and doesn't do, it really, like for the police to be able to act, for social workers to be able to give you the funding, there's funding packages for them to be able to apply the funding that to fit your circumstances. You might need security alarm. You might need cameras. Now, they're not going to give you cameras unless there's a genuine threat. And that's the difficulty there's like a trade-off, Sandy, about women having to share their story to be able to get that which they need. Mm. That is why I feel there needs to be um, some, I just still do feel women need to be a great advocate for themselves. So if you contact the Orange Door to share with them what's happening for you, the, the actual spirit of it is when you do a thorough assessment when that social worker asks you a lot of questions to gain a good complex understanding of the risks the effects barriers all this for you getting the support you need and your situation they really should be able to take that story and share it with the next person in the next tier of support because your initial um, step into say an orange door which is there for you they should be gathering the information and saying to you we are going to put you on a waiting list for case management support which is next level whilst you're waiting for that we we are going to check in with you call or you calling to us just to tell us if there's been any changes but really that initial story should go directly to your next worker in line and you should not have to repeat that which you said so you really do have rights to say I explained that thoroughly to Joanne at the front door and I asked her did you take down all of that you could even ask Joanne could you repeat back to me what I just shared with you just like you would at a restaurant and they repeat back your order to make sure they heard it right <laughs> and you say, yes, that's it. That's my order. Could you repeat that back to me? Can I make sure that you've recorded that? Because you're saying this is going to go somewhere else and I don't want to have to start from scratch. I'm okay with it and I understand that I'll have to give you updates. For example, I saw my ex-partner driving past my house. They stopped, they flared their lights. I knew it was them. 
that could be something new that's important for police to know. But I shouldn't have to go back to five years ago when he first pushed me around and relive that trauma again. So you need to understand that you can actually say that. Is that helpful? That is incredibly helpful, incredibly helpful, because in my experience, and as you said, you know, I've, I've been um, very good at advocating for myself, you know, the times where that I've needed to. And, but I have had to retell my story each time to give the context, to give, you know, the right context for them to understand that it has been a high-risk situation. Without that understanding, you get prioritised. And I think that's, you know, important for women to know is that based on the information that you share about what's going on for you, you will get prioritised within the system to what is perceived to be your most critical needs at that given time. So that's why it's so important to give the right context and to be really honest about everything that is happening for you because even when you might not see that thing as being high risk, people who work within the system know that the red flags to look out for. So if you were to um, talk to a support person and say, he's never um, physically harmed me, but he has held me from, you know, like held me up against a wall in an argument, or um, he hasn't, you know, he has never hit me, but he's put his hands around my throat. Um, you know, those sorts of things. You might not see it as being uh, alarming or as a red flag that you might be at high risk. People in services will know that that is a red flag for a high risk um, situation. So it, that's why it's really important to talk about all those things that are happening for you, even if you are not sure whether you know, that falls into or under the umbrella of being domestic or family violence and abuse, but just talk about the things that are happening and then the people who are in that support role, they know they're very well trained in what those red flags are and that will help them to really get clear on where you're at and what sort of support you need right now so that they'll be able to empower you and and say this is not sounding good at all I don't like what I'm hearing from you and um, they can let you know that these are actually red flags that you might be at high risk. So you're really important as hard as it is to talk about all of the, you know, it's like um, what airing your dirty laundry in public. It's it's really hard to, to do that because it's quite embarrassing to be talking about what's going on in your personal life. And, and why do you think that is, Sandy? 
why well i mean you know i was thinking about that next jump to like the bedroom and you know what could be going on sexually in the relationship sure. and th- those kinds of things are very intimate so true. and and it's it's a level of vulnerability that you have when you're having to talk about personal problems that are going so on in your life so um you're already feeling vulnerable in your relationship and it's just yep. another another level of vulnerability that mm-hmm. is really daunting to yep. have to talk to somebody that you don't know. Oh, yes. You don't know them from a bar of soap. That's it. So, you know, am I safe talking to you about right. this stuff? You know, yep. are you going to be helping me if I'm revealing, you know, all of these dirty secrets in a way that are in my life and I think that is one of the things that will keep women you know stuck in that situation is that horrible level of vulnerability they feel in having to expose themselves so true like you know so true I feel too um you know we've come a long way if I can just relate to another area that people struggle in and we've come a long way in society talking about mental health issues Mm -hmm. however I still feel that people experiencing mental health problems or mental health illnesses still feel that there's a stigma even though we hear celebrities talk about it, we've got um, campaigns, we've got Beyond Blue, we hear politicians speaking about how important it is um, to be able to have open discussions about mental health problems. If you are that person struggling with mental health issues and you're in a workplace or you're in a social group, you still are very, very careful with who you express, hey, I'm struggling with this right now. You still put on a public face. You still don't want to be, um, you still don't want to be seen as not good enough or not, um, you know, like uh, ashamed. You don't want to feel shame. You don't want to feel that you're, um, you're not coping. You don't, it's a, it's a very, very vulnerable thing to share what's really happening for you beyond the public mask. Absolutely. Well, I think we have this idea that we should have it all together. We do. In life. And Mm. life has its ups and downs. It'd be great if we could just let that go and Mm. understand that we don't know what adversities we're going to come up against in life. So having carrying shame with that adversity is an extra burden that you perhaps don't need to be carrying around with you. But it's it's something that this is why counselling is so important because counselling helps you to let go of that feeling of shame around not being able to cope with something. Um, I mean, people face some really terrible adversities in life of no fault of their own. Correct. And I think maybe that's part of it too is, you know, it's really noble. Like we, we should all as adults be taking responsibility for ourselves and for our lives. But when our lives aren't running smoothly, suddenly we feel inferior 
and we then feel shame and embarrassment and like we're failing, inadequate. All of these negative things get labelled to us along with that just that thing that I'm dealing with a challenge now and this challenge is actually overwhelming me, yeah. you know, whatever that is. And we, and really I think one of the biggest battles that we face in life is the battle that goes on in our minds. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's really important that, I, you know, it's great that we're having conversations, trying to get rid of that stigma around things like mental health, around things like domestic abuse, family violence. Let's have conversations about these things. These things do happen. And the main thing is like my my primary message is your safety comes first. So prioritise your safety. And even if you're not sure whether you're, you know, like it's not like blindingly obvious to you that your safety is at risk if you're feeling that uneasiness uh, you know if you're feeling in the pit of your stomach that you just have no peace yep then it's time to talk to somebody yep. so that's the second thing is you know like you need to take care of your mental health your yep. sanity definitely comes next and we don't have to stay in this place of isolation where we've got this battle that's just going on in our own heads it's really important to talk to somebody and that's why you know I often share 1-800-RESPECT lifeline those 24-hour free counseling services that are there you're not out of pocket for it you can these people are trained they're experienced and they want to help you absolutely that's that's what they're there for so you know like just have those conversations and get it out of your head yes help you to get a different regain a different perspective so that you're not being held back you're not stuck in that that awful place and the next thing is just to understand that no matter how daunting whatever the challenge is that you're going through that it can be figure outable absolutely when you've got the right support mm-hmm. so we're not we we're not equipped with all the you know we don't get born into this world with this manual of exactly what to do when you come up against each new challenge that you face in life so why wouldn't we tap into support from people with experience who can help us with those challenges the most successful people in life are the people who will talk to other people who have experience with that challenge that they're facing they've figured it out they've been through it and they've got some of the answers that we need so that we don't get stuck and held back in life by the so challenges. So true, so true. I remember, I'm sure we're drawing to a close, but I remember in, um, you know, some of the interactions I had with women and some of the support groups I was involved in that we would say, look, um, I'm sure some of the women around here have got some lived experience or some tips or some ideas that you could borrow 
that you could live here, here, that you could consider. And so we'd open up the forum for women to share with one another what had worked for them, what they tried. And, um, and then a, a, a woman would be thinking, oh, my gosh, they've been through it. They've tried this. I don't think that would work for me. But what that other lady did, I think I could do part of that. And this might work for me. It opens up the space for new hopeful um, ideas to emerge and, and for that little baby steps. And it is so important to keep those conversations open and to, and to understand that people do care. People do care and people do want to help. Um, I, I've got a couple of other little things I want to share. Is that okay? Hey, of course. All right. So I guess this is probably more from my pastoral care of the last three years training and working with um, families and the education system. Um, and I'll talk about the, these three things, uh, and they are, and you may have heard of them, as a very old quote about faith, hope, and love. So I'm just going to just quickly tap into faith could be your very it could be faith in God, but it could be your very deeply held and cherished values. So I would encourage you, be a bit of a digger, be a bit of a gold miner and go digging deep. Put this man or this ex-partner, this per intimate partner to the side for a moment and think about you before you knew them, before they were in your life. Go digging. What is it cherished to me? What is important to me? Um, is, is kindness important to me? Is dignity important to me? Freedom, social justice, living in truth. What is, is, is my belief in God? Is my belief in something else so important to me that I'm not prepared to compromise that? Just go digging a little bit into the faith realm. And the second thing is hope. Try and build up your hope. Now, that's really tough to build up and foster hope when you feel like you're in a hopeless situation. But hope is about forward expectation. And here's something that you can do with hope. You can grab, borrow, steal, lean into other people's hope. So listen to hopeful messages, read biographies, listen to stories of people who have been through tough times, who have experienced violence and move forward and out and build up your hope, build up your forward future orientation. And the third thing I want to say is love. Now, love is the greatest of all. That's my big driver, love. And of course, I have a faith, but love is such an important thing that we have an awareness of love. It's kind of, it's a thing that you can sense when someone just does something, it's a bit self-sacrificial and you just feel this presence and this awareness over you. Oh my gosh, they truly care for me and they didn't have to do that. And you may feel that love when you see your child or someone is and does an act of kindness. I believe that we are created for connection. We are made for relationships. The relationship that you're in right now might not be one where this is faithful and true and full of that kind of love. That's for you to decide. But you are definitely created for a purpose and you are beautiful in every way. And I just want to encourage you to seek out real connections and focus in on the love that you've got to offer and, and love that is available there for you because it is there. So those two things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. I just want to encourage you in your journey forwards. <laughs>
That's absolutely beautiful, Cindy. And it doesn't surprise me that you would share that because I know that at the core, the, that's very much who you are. So, yeah, very, very precious and some great tips to really help women to move forward in such a beautiful and positive way. Now, my final question is because this is the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, what does that title mean to you as a woman? I love that title. Well done for developing that title. So Tiara's, I think of sparkling moments. I think of the beauty of people. I think of potential and possibility with Tiara. Um, tears, is that the next one? Yes. Tears. Um, I think <laughs> there's a heck of a lot of tears in this quest for freedom and there's it, it's hard won and it's hard fought for and it's and there's suffering that women and children and people undergo that is unnecessary and horrible. And I think tears are shed, but I also feel that tears are part of the healing journey as well. I think the tears need to be shed in order to be able to move to the next place. And triumphs, of course, I believe that there's always hope. And I have seen it again and again. Women build up the courage, the faith, hope, and then to be able to move forward and move out of situations that are not ideal for them and to be able to have wonderful lives and contributing in many different ways, big, small, public and private, just like you have done. And I'm, you know, I just think it's the most apt title for the podcast that you're running, Sandy, because I've seen you go through this whole entire journey and come out now as this amazing professional woman with a heart for others. And that's love too, isn't it? So I think this is the most perfect title for your thank podcast. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today yeah. and helping me to celebrate this milestone of reaching 100 episodes. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support 
with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow. Hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.